You're listening to the Quality of Love Podcast. Your home for all things love, relationship, and mental health. Hosted by nationally certified life and relationship coach, Tyrone Dixon. Sit back, relax, and get tips on creating the life you deserve without wasting any more time. Welcome to the Quality of Love podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of a Rose to Concrete Consulting. Thank you guys for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. Tonight, you guys have made it to another hump day. That means we have another question and answer episode set up for you guys and geared to go. We got questions from both the mental and relation, mental health, excuse me, and relationship side of things, as well as the insights of the former narcissist, which we got five questions from each side this week. So very, very thankful, appreciative of everything that you guys have done. We also, before we get into this episode, got a uh, an email on yesterday that we've reached over 5,000 downloads. Now, I just want to say from my heart to yours, from my family to yours, thank you guys so very much for for downloading, for listening, for sharing. You guys have heard me say this so many times, but I will never um, take for granted the the things that you guys have done for us and the help that you guys have have given us and propped in us at the quality of love to to be a source of practical information, a source of practical advice and a source of of connection, I guess we would say at this point in time. So extremely appreciative of you guys. Thank you so very much. And hopefully we can continue to provide you with some concrete, sound, practical advice that you can apply right away to your life and then eventually have a successful life when you get all of those negative people out of there, right? So without further ado, let's get into the show. Today's quote of the day comes from a gentleman by the name of George Orwell, and the quote reads, happiness can exist only in acceptance. Once again, that quote is, happiness can exist only in acceptance. And that quote is by a gentleman by the name of Mr. George Orwell. And I heard that quote not too long ago, actually. This is a recent quote that I jotted down. And it just brings up that that whole unconditional acceptance thing that I tell you guys about all the time when it's like you can operate in a realm of unconditional love, but at some point in time, love fades. So if you have banked all your stock on unconditional love, then there's a chance that your relationship won't be a lasting relationship. If you bank all your stock on unconditional acceptance, there's a pretty good chance that you'll have a lasting relationship, right? So that's our quote of the day by Mr. George Orwell. And once again, for the audience, it reads, happiness can only exist in acceptance. Question number one, receive via inbox. Do most men have to work hard to keep their girlfriend or wife happy? If so, then how is that love? Is it, It's certainly not unconditional since women can and will leave a man for any flaw. A great example would be becoming disabled. Once again, that question is, do most men have to work hard to keep their girlfriend or wife? If so, then how is that love? It's certainly not unconditional since a woman and woman can and will leave a man for any flaw. A great example would be becoming disabled. I think when we when we're talking about love and unconditional love, I tend to want to pause people. Right. And I, I pause people because 
a lot of times we we get this idea of unconditional love and it's it's everlasting and the, anything that changes once the dynamics in our relationship change that our partner will, should and will be able to change with it and i just think that's a flawed thought process i think when you bank your relationship just like i said in the quote on unconditional love then that's not realistic because love fades and i'll give you just a really quick activity think of someone that you love more than anything or anyone in the whole wide world right once you get an image or idea of that person inside of your head whoever it is regardless of mother child whoever it is wife significant other uh husband whatever um once you get an idea of that person inside of your head Think of a time in which you got upset with them or got angry with them or they pissed you off for some reason it, that's unbeknownst or doesn't you don't have to acknowledge it. But that's an example of love fading. Right. You love that person. But sometimes people get under our skin. It's natural. It happens. It's a human being thing. So when we talk about unconditional love, you are going to run into a wall at some point in time. Unconditional acceptance is what you want to focus on, because when someone accepts you unconditionally, that means they're willing to work with you no matter what the situation is, no matter what changes come about. Right. Just like you said, if you become disabled now that that person that's in love with you, they're not looking at the disability as a hindrance to your relationship. They're looking at it as, OK, now how do we readjust ourselves and we readjust our needs so that. I'm able to still be with my partner and complete their needs. Um, there are a ton of examples of individuals who stayed with their husband or wife because uh, or after they had disability. Like I think of a few military people that I know off the top of my head, obviously that I won't name, but it's it's a tr slippery slope when you start to bank on unconditional love and not unconditional acceptance, because then you'll you'll get those people in your life that will leave you once thing get things get bad. Right. And you don't want those people in your corner. You want people that believe in you no matter what and prompt you to believe in yourself as well. Question number two, why is it a trend to get physically fit and not consider mental health much? Once again, that question is, why is it a trend to get physically fit and not consider mental health much? I think that what, especially with COVID, right, we, we hear it a lot um, that with with the pandemic, the best way to keep yourself prepared to not end up catching the disease is to stay physically fit and to stay healthy. So I think that's where you see the shift in the, the thought process and the ideology behind, okay, right, let, let's make sure I stay physically fit. Let's make sure I'm working out so I don't catch COVID or I don't end up contracting this disease. When, in fact, I've said this on the show before, I personally think that mental and physical health go hand in hand. So if you are if you are working out and you're focused on physic being physically fit, it helps with your mental as well, right? So it's not a bad thing to focus on your physical fitness because that keeps you sharp mentally. It's when you don't do either that you tend to run into issues and you tend to experience a ton of anxiety around those issues. And there are quite a few stressors that that are out right now. So I would invite you to get on top of your physical fitness to make sure that you're not only protecting yourself from this pandemic and disease that we have going on, but you're keeping yourself mentally sharp as well. Question number three. Why do people tell you they care about you and would never hurt you if they just are going to do, turn around and do the same thing? 
once again, that question is, why do people tell you that they care about you and they would never hurt you if they're just going to turn around and do the same thing? Um, relationships are very, very emotionally intense, right? So especially in that three months, so I've spoken about this in the past in this uh, on this podcast, I should say. So I'll reiterate it for anyone who's a new listener, but when you first meet someone um, and you're attracted to them, so they have some sort of attraction and you want to be with them, you want to date them, whatever the case may be, there's an endorphin release that goes on in your brain, right? So this chemical release causes you to feel all of these feelings for this person and kind of be at a honeymoon phase of the relationship. That feeling can last anywhere from three months to six years. After that, in bet- anytime in between that time frame, I should say you could wake up and not like your partner or someone can wake up and not like you. So it's very important that you're, you're mindful of that as you're entering relationships. And you're also open to the changing dynamics that eventually come with every relationship. So usually when you're in a courting stage of the relationship, so that's the beginning where you're going on dates, buying flowers and making yourself available for someone those endorphins are running high, right? As different dynamics come into play, right? So as you have children, as you wish to get engaged, as you start to introduce this person to your family and your family members, um, there's different and shifting dynamics that can come with that type of thing. And what I found to be evident over the past few years is that there are many people who are not prepared to articulate their emotions, right? So when those dynamics shift, when you start to have children, when you start to get married, when you move in together, people aren't prepared to express themselves and express their needs in those situations. So what they do is they start to do things like cheat, right, or become bored or they start to seek attention outside of... excuse me, outside of the relationship that they're in because they weren't ready for all the different dynamics. They weren't ready for all the different changes. So I would invite you to first create a non-negotiable list to a list of things that you absolutely will not accept from your partner going forward. Then the second thing that I would invite you to do if you're able to do so is to just um, try to take things really, really slow with your partners from now on going forward, right? So as you start to date and start to court, take it slow, um, moving in, be careful with stuff like that. All of the extreme measures in a relationship, you want to be careful of because like I just said, not everyone is is prepared to be involved and prepared for the shifting dynamics and all of the in the relationship, I should say. So you want to make sure you're prepared as possible and you're able to articulate the things that you need to articulate. And then after that, it's up to your partner to be able to be receptive of what you're articulating and then being able to follow through with some of that stuff. Question number four, have you ever done something that made half of your loved ones hate you? Once again, that question is, have you ever done something that made half of your loved ones hate you? I don't think so. Uh, I could be wrong about that. Certainly, uh, I don't check in with all of my loved ones um, like I used to with with everything that I have going on. Frankly, I just don't have that that same capacity in my schedule. Um, so I don't think so. But I think this question kind of hints at something a little deeper for you. And if you go back and listen in season one, I did an episode called Fog. And it's, Fog is a, just an sh- uh, acronym for fear, obligation, or guilt. Right. And then you can even throw a little shame in there if you want. But 
what happens a lot of the times is when we make decisions for ourselves or when we're even thinking about making decisions for ourselves, we consider like loved ones, we consider friends and we consider all of these other people. And in a lot of cases, we don't make the decision that's best for us because we're, we're fearful of how others may react. So I share that with you to number one, invite you to go back to listen to that episode. But number two, and and more importantly for you as an individual, you have to learn to accept the decisions that you make for yourself and, and run with them, no matter who, who likes it, who doesn't, because everyone might have good intentions for you, but you should have the best intentions for yourself, right? So you should want to be able to make the best decisions for yourself and want to learn about different things on your own. Um, and that's how we grow. That's how we stretch as human beings. And the last thing I'll say to you um, to answer this question is growth is very, very scary for multiple people, right? Not just you. Growth for you is stepping outside your comfort zone, um, kind of putting yourself out there, Growth for other individuals or people that are are your loved ones. Let's keep using that. Um, growth for your loved ones may be a little intimidating. It may be like, okay, who is this? Who is this guy that I used to watch or I used to raise? Now he think he can talk to me and, and give me advice or hold me accountable for my actions. And that's just. You got to be prepared for that. It's tough. It's certainly not something that uh, is fun when we're talking about loved ones. But at the same time, the at the end of the day, you have to make the decision that's best for you because you got to live with it. Everyone else that's upset with you or that hates you, they don't have to live with your decision. It's it's just they they feel offended or they're upset at your decision. But you actually have to live with your decision. Question number five. How do I accept the fact that I wasn't the one who pushed my ex into someone else's arms, that I wasn't the one who broke up our family? Once again, that question is, how do I accept the fact that I wasn't the one who pushed my ex into someone else's arms, that I wasn't the one who broke up our family? I think um, positive affirmations for you, um, if this, especially if this is a fresh wound, right? So if this is something that recently happened, if this is something that... Um, periodically comes up even um, at, with your ex. I think for you, you, you're going to need a lot of positive affirmation for yourself and also having the understanding that love is an individual choice, right? So we all have to make an individual decision to love someone or not, right? And that's the same thing, as I said before in the previous question, that goes along the lines with being able to articulate your needs, too. If you're dealing with someone who's not comfortable articulating their needs or does not know how to articulate their needs, then they are just making excuses and don't want to be held accountable for going to someone else's arms. And you are, I've said this many a times on the show, you are 100% responsible for identifying your needs and recognizing your needs, right? There's a need that that person had that they didn't articulate to you and they felt more comfortable going behind your back. People like that um, are immature and they probably will do something in the long run that will jeopardize the relationship anyway. So I know this can be very, very difficult to process and accept right now in the moment. But at the end of the day, that person made that decision and it would had nothing to do with you. Right. Mature people are able to articulate their feelings. They're able to say, hey, baby, I'm not getting satisfied in this way or I need this sort of attention. If your ex was not able to do that, then that's 100% on them. And it's their fault that they broke the family up. If they don't want to be held accountable for their actions, then that's fine as well. But just understand that 
they are 100% responsible for their actions. And that has nothing to do with you. The fact that they couldn't articulate what they needed. Okay, let's touch on some insight from a former narcissist, right? So question number one, how can one recover from narcissistic abuse? What are some tips on dealing with PTSD? One thing that I would invite you to do is study neuro-linguistic programming. And what that is, is it's essentially a way to rewire some of the patterns and beliefs that have been created because you've been in a relationship with a narcissist for so long. Um, so you can essentially rewire um, the way you think, some of your beliefs and some of your thought processes. The second thing that I would invite you to do is to start practicing um, positive affirmations, right? So when you start to feel down and you start to feel like you're not worthy of a relationship or you're not worthy of love and happiness, tell yourself you are, right? You've been in a relationship with someone who was psychologically abusive, emotionally abusive. Hopefully they weren't physically abusive, but at the same time, you need to essentially build yourself back up because you've been pushed down for so long. And then the third thing that I would invite you to do is create what is called a gratitude jar. And a gratitude jar is simply a jar that you put in an identify pl- ad- identifiable excuse me place in your house, uh, some place that you got to walk by frequently. I used to keep mine in the kitchen. Wherever you decide to keep yours is perfectly fine. The idea and the premise is the same, right? With a gratitude jar, what you're doing is you're going to put at least five things that you're extremely appreciative of and you're grateful for in a jar um, located, again, in an identifiable place around your house. And anytime you start to feel down or you start to feel like you're not worthy of love, again, acceptance and of companionship, just go to that gratitude jar. And pick out one of those five things and say out loud what you're grateful for. So um, I've used this example in the past. One of my first gratitude jars uh, was like I would go and I would pull it, pull my first note or a piece of paper out and it would say I'm grateful for having a job. Next one would say I'm grateful for having a job. Um, opportunities to pay my bill. The next one, I'm grateful for a car. I'm thankful, grateful for my girlfriend and roof over my head, so on and so forth. And as you start to put this gratitude jar and this gratitude practice in place, what you're doing is you're prompting and building up your subconscious and you're telling yourself that it's not that bad, right? So within the moment, if you stay stuck in the emotion, things can seem horrible and it can seem bad. But once you remove yourself out of the emotion by doing something like creating a gratitude jar, then you'll realize that there's a ton of things that you have to be grateful for. You just have to focus on the positives and try to shift your thought process from the negative. And please don't be fooled. This can take a very, very long time. But once you put these steps in place, it'll be more than worth it because now you'll you'll not reach that low point in life anymore. The second question that we receive for our insight from our former narcissist, what do narcissists do when they have a new victim? Once again, that question is, what do narcissists do when they have a new victim? The same thing they did to you. Um, they if they are able to attach to a new supply then they'll do and display a lot of the same behaviors that they they um, did with you. It'll start off really charming. They'll start off um, seeming like one of the best people in the world. And then once they know that you're a victim to them or that you're a possible victim, then they'll start to show their true colors and display their true colors. So 
if you are someone who's looking at a narcissist now and they have a new supplier or a new victim and you're like, oh, man, they look so perfect or they're so charming. Don't fool yourself. Give that relationship some time and they will you'll start to see that that individual treats that person exactly how they treated you. And you'll start to be appreciative of the fact that you got out of that situation. One thing that I'll say definitely don't want to do is go back into that situation thinking that this person has changed. They're just doing their their charismatic and prompting and and kind of playing around with that person up until they realize that they're a real victim for them then you'll start to see them display those true colors. Question number three, what is something a narcissist can't fake? What is something a narcissist can't fake? That is a really good question. Um, A narcissist can't fake like they care about you, right? It's over time. uh, It's like initially, again, they, they might be charming, charismatic, but over time, you'll start to see with narcissists that the conversation comes back to them at all points in time, or it's always about them. And once you start to feel that, because you'll you'll go along in a relationship and you'll start to start to pick up on their mannerisms and you'll see that, OK, this person does not um, accept a responsibility for their actions or this person does not like to be hold, held accountable for their actions when they're clearly wrong. And that's something they absolutely cannot fake. So I would challenge that your your person that you might think is a potential narcissist at every angle um when they do wrong and not challenge them like hey you're wrong hey you don't just lightly say hey um you forgot to do this or you didn't do that and if you find that they're reactive or they place blame on people then there there's a pretty good chance there's some narcissistic traits that are within that person right so they cannot fake caring about you um extensively what they can fake, though, is caring about um, others. Right. So they, they could say, oh, I care so much about this person or I care so much about that person. And you'll start to see again as you as you're questioning and you're challenging this person's thought process, uh, you'll start to see some of those selfish blame centric characteristics come to play. Question number four, would a narcissistic lie a word a narcissist excuse me lie about someone they used to know as a means of trying to find out dirt on them once again would a narcissist lie about someone they used to know as a means of trying to find dirt on them yep absolutely absolutely you can't put anything past a narcissist and i know that just sounds crazy um, but narcissists tend to make their own dialogue up in their head and they run with it i would challenge you to dig a little deeper um, when this narcissist is talking about this quote unquote stalker and this person that's stalking them I would try to do some research and see if this person was an ex or someone that they used to mess around with because those are the people that narcissists like to like keep within their tentacles and the reason that is is it's all about power right it's it's all about control and it's like okay Am I still do I still have a level of control over this person or do I still have some sort of control over this individual? Um, So that's where I would look. I would I would dig a little deeper and see if this person that they're alleging to be their stalker is actually somebody who they've dated or who they've been in a relationship with. And I would not be surprised if you find out that they had something going with that person in the past. And that's the reason for saying that, oh, this person is stalking me now. when in fact, person probably is happy that they're out of their lives. And then finally, question number five, 
How does a narcissist act or respond when the victim no longer shows that they are intimidated? Once again, that question is, how does a narcissist act and respond when the victim shows that they are no longer intimidated? They usually shut down, right? When you when you show that you can't be controlled, when you show that you're not afraid of their controlling tactics and tendencies, they usually shut down. So they'll get quiet. They may not talk to you for a period of time. Um, they may even move out the house or like go to extreme measures. But all it is, is it's them withdrawing because they realize that you're no longer someone who they can treat as a victim or who they can get a supply off of. And I would also say that in that time period that they're they're um, recognizing that you're no longer intimidated and recognizing that you're going to challenge them. They're looking for another supply or they're looking for a new victim in that time frame. So be mindful of of their mannerisms and how they behave once you show that you're no longer intimidated, because then their mind starts to flow and drift towards, okay, who else is out there that I can put my tentacles in? Right. And um, as you start to see those signs, hopefully you're not married with this person. You're able to separate yourself from this person because eventually they will find a new supply, especially once they realize that you're no longer falling for their BS and you're not afraid of them anymore. All right. So that's all I have for you guys tonight. You've survived another Wednesday with us at the Quality of Love podcast. We really, really appreciate it, guys. Remember, you guys are more than welcome to hit us up at TQLP20 at gmail.com with any questions that you guys have for our Wednesday episodes. Once again, that's TQLP20 at gmail.com. Or you guys are more than welcome to hit us up on our Facebook page, the Quality of Love podcast. And remember, guys, as always, The quality of love and relationships that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love.